And today, as part of our ongoing merger process with Baseline Community Church, we are having a pulpit switch. So Pastor Chris and Jess are on, on the Baseline campus. Chris will be preaching and doing a Q&A with their congregation, which means we get the privilege of having one of Baseline's teaching team with us. So will you please welcome Don Dirks. <laughs> Thank you, Becca. It's great to be with you. I'm just praying that my congregation is really nice to Chris today. So I think they will be. I think they will be. So, hey, it's great to be here with you here today, all of you that are inside, outside, online. Um, it's great to be here. And um, yeah, the, the, the merger process has been a long one. It's been happening for almost a year, but I really feel like it's been a great process. One of the fun things is that uh, Chris and I have spent a lot more time together. We've been friends for years, but I've noticed that there's a, there's a few things that he and I have in common, and I've, which I found that I didn't know out before. And I found out one of those this week, actually. I was in the Grace office with Laura, and Chris was lamenting the fact that on his driver's license that he just got, that on under where it says hair, it says bald, B-L-D. <laughs> And I said, you know what, I've had that for a long time, Chris, on my license, so you don't need to worry about that. Um, the other thing I've noticed that about Chris and I that is similar, and, and with getting to know Jessica a little bit, is that he married way out of his league, and so did I. My wife Nancy is here today, so I'm really excited for you all to get to know her and, uh, and get to know her story and all that, and, and she is, she's been great. And then uh, the other thing I'd learned early on in the time with Chris is that Chris and I belong to the same gym. We have the same gym membership. Um, seemingly, he's getting a little bit more results out of his membership than I am. So I'm not sure exactly what, I guess you have to actually go to the gym, you just can't have the membership is what I've found, so. All right, so um, hey, I, Chris just said, hey, love to let, you, let the church get to know you a little bit and all that, and then, uh, so I'll just tell you a little bit myself. I've grown up, I've been in Southern California my whole life. I grew up in La Cañada, which is over by Pasadena. That's where I went to high school. Uh, my family went to church, La Cañada Prez, but in high school, I, I got really involved with a ministry called Young Life, and it was through that high school ministry that I came to the Lord. In fact, there was a picture of me. When I was 17 years old, I was at a Young Life camp called Malibu. It's actually up in Canada. And it was at that camp that I heard just how much Jesus loved me. Heard what he had done for me on the cross. And I said, I have got to give my life to that man. And so from that point on, I gave my life to Jesus. I believe he gave me gifts to do some ministry. After high school, I went to uh, UCLA and uh, you will find, as we do this merge, I do way too many pro-UCLA against USC jokes in my messages, but we'll see. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Especially in this whole area, it's, it's just not a good thing to do, but we'll see. Um, uh, I was uh, real involved with Young Life in college, was a business economics major at UCLA, but felt that God was calling me into the ministry, and so I went on Young Life staff right away out of college, was down in the Palos Verdes, uh, South Bay area for about 10 and a half years on staff, felt God calling me from that area up to this area, to Claremont, Laverne, Benita um, at that time, that was in 1993. At the same time, I met Nancy 
And uh, we were married in December of 93. I have a picture of our family. Uh, so that's our family. Julia is the one in front. She's uh, on Young Life staff, actually, in, in North Carolina. Sarah's uh, the one in the back. She's up in Seattle. And Matthew's my son. He's going to be a senior at, at Grand Canyon University in Arizona. And um, they're, they're really great kids. I'm grateful for them and thankful for them. So I uh, was up here on Young Life staff for another 14 years, working, and that's where I met some of you that are here today. Some of you were Young Life kids, some of you were parents of kids that I got to know, and I'm really was grateful for that time. So a few years after that, I um, became an associate pastor at Baseline Community Church. I was doing family ministry and felt, what, the reason I made that move was I just realized how important the family is. How important the family is to help kids grow in their faith. And so I wanted to see what I could do to help support families and encourage them. Um, then about 12 years ago, I became the senior pastor at, at uh, Baseline. And, uh, you know, as any churches go, there's ups and downs and all that. Chris became one of the, my good, really close pastor friends that you would meet with every once in a while and just... How are you doing? Oh, yeah, it's tough, hard. Yeah, this is hard. That's happening to you? Oh, yeah. So that, we built that sort of a friendship over the years, which was great. And now I'm really very excited about the, where we are right now. I believe, I really believe that this is God's way for us as two churches to become one, to be stronger than we could be alone. I really believe that. So uh, Chris said, hey, when you come to, the, to Grace, uh, preach on whatever you want. And that is always dangerous to tell a pastor to preach on whatever you want. But here's what I came with in the last couple weeks. Um, It's been really interesting for me to think, okay, this summer in July and August is going to be the last sermon series I will preach for Baseline, just that church. And what is it that I want to say to them? What is it that I hope they'll gain as we move into this merger? And uh, I fell upon a, a section of scripture I just love. It's 2 Corinthians chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6. Don't worry, we're not going to go through all four of those chapters here today. But I wanted to give you just a preview of what I'm going to tell my church later on. And I think it will be very important for all of us to be thinking this way. Because what it talks about, it's it's Paul's philosophy of ministry. Here's why ministry is so important. So uh, today, we're just going to look at one verse to start. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what Paul writes. Therefore... Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Now, one thing I was taught, and I've tried to teach my church, is that anytime you see a therefore in the scripture, you have to ask yourself the question, what is the therefore there for? And what it will typically do is it will take you back to what was just previously written. And so Paul is saying you need to go back, and he's going to describe what... This ministry is that we have. And he will go back and talk about this. And he will use a, uh, something that happened to Moses in the Old Testament as a way of describing, uh, defining the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the covenant of the law and the covenant of the Spirit. You probably will remember this, that Moses was leading the people of God out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. He got to Mount Sinai. The Lord calls him up onto Mount Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments. He's up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. 
The people down below grow impatient and they say to Aaron, hey, where's Moses? Aaron goes, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened to him. They're not sure. Hey, maybe he's gone. We want to make ourselves at our own God. He says, okay. So they give him all the gold. They, make, they fashion the golden calf and they start to worship this golden calf. The Lord gives the Ten Commandments to Moses and he says to him, hey, your people down there are going kind of crazy. So he goes down the mountain. He's walking down the mountain. Sure enough, he sees them worshiping the golden calf. He throws, I don't know if you remember this, he throws the Ten Commandments down on the ground and they break. And then he, um, makes, he takes the golden calf, he breaks that up, burns it, puts it in water, makes him drink it and all that stuff. So then a little bit later, the Lord says, hey, come on back up. And he says to him, I love this, he says to him this, um, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Isn't that great? I mean, the Lord is like, look, first time, I make the tablets. Second time, you bring your own tablets. You're the one that broke them. You're the one that threw them on the ground. You're the one that got angry. Wasn't me, but come on back up. So he goes back up. He's carrying his tablets back up, up there again for 40 days. The Lord um, writes on them again, and he goes down. This time, the people are waiting for him. But this time, also, it says that Moses' face was glowing, that as he was in the presence of God, his face was glowing. And at first, uh, Aaron and the others are a little scared of him. But he says, no, come, it's me. And then they realize your face is glowing, Moses. So then he puts a veil over his face. All right, so that's the background on what Paul is now going to write about. It's a long background, but here we go. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, here's what he says. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? So Paul wants to compare, we'll compare this ministry of the law that was written on these stone tablets with the ministry that is with the Spirit. And he says, if there was glory with this ministry that was written on the stone tablets, how much more glory will there be in the ministry of the Spirit? And he says that this ministry of the Spirit brings righteousness. Isn't that great? Yet that because of what Jesus has done on the cross... Because he took my place, that I can experience righteousness. And righteousness, there's a couple of ways this looks. First and foremost, I have right relationship with God. I am right with him because of what Jesus has done for me. That, that the, what the law was unable to do, Jesus did and the spirit does in us that I have right relationship with God. And then also righteousness with others, I can be in right relationship with other people. And I can be even be in right relationship with myself. That this is what the Spirit of God brings to us, is righteousness. It's a beautiful statement. Then he continues, and he begins to compare the old with the new again, the law of the Spirit. He compares the veil that Moses was wearing with a veil that is over the hearts of those that do not believe yet. 
that there's something that's keeping people from stepping into this ministry of righteousness. And in verse 16, he says this, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil that was covering their hearts is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Isn't that great? Again, he's comparing these two different types of ministry, the, the, the law with the spirit. And he says, with the spirit, there is freedom. That you're not tied to following this law anymore. That that's not how you find out or experience the relationship with God. But it is, there's freedom in that. And then also, there's freedom from sin. There can be freedom from addiction. There can be freedom from bitterness. There can be freedom from anger. There is freedom in the spirit. Freedom from anything which keeps us becoming all that God wants us to be. And Paul is saying the law was unable to do that. Trying to follow a group of rules and regulations was unable to do that. But the Spirit can bring this type of freedom to where you can actually live out the life that God wants you to live. So this Spirit, this ministry of the Spirit, it brings righteousness and it brings freedom. And then he continues in verse 18. And he says, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And so he says that this ministry of the spirit brings transformation into the image of Jesus. That that's what the spirit is doing for us. So what the Spirit is doing in us. I mean, this is so exciting. See, sometimes we think about our Christian faith as being, okay, I'm just being saved so that I can be transported to heaven someday, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to, and that will be great. But what Paul is saying is, no, it's not all about that. That the Spirit is doing work in you to transform you into the image of Jesus that you might look a little bit more like him, that your character and your actions would look a little bit more like what Jesus would do. And you see, Moses was glowing because he had been in the presence of God. It was something that had been put on him. And this is, this is awesome, I think. But what Paul is writing here, and the words that he's using when he uses that word transformation, it's a word where we get the word metamorphosis from. And, and, and what it means is that this is a change that is happening from the inside out. So that the glory that you and I experience is not because of something that's done on us, but it's because of something that's happening in us. That this is the transformation that's happening. And the wording describes to us that it is an ongoing process. That the Lord is continuing to transform us into the image of Jesus. And this is what the ministry of the Spirit does. It brings righteousness. It brings freedom. And it brings transformation. 
And then all through this passage, there's a word that's used all through it, and that's the word glory. That all these things bring glory. That we radiate the glory of God. The glory is the splendor, it's the brightness, it's the radiance of Christ. And that you and I radiate or reflect this glory to the world. And I want to be a person that does that. I want to be a part of a church that does that. I, I want to be in a place where I allow the ministry of the Spirit to work in me so that I experience righteousness with God and with others, so that I experience freedom, so that I am being transformed, so that God is glorified. And that people might look at me, might look at you, might look at our church and say, God is doing something. God is real. I can see the difference he makes. So chapter three, that's all what this ministry is that he's talking about. So back now to 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse one, right? Therefore, since through God's mercy, this is not something we have brought on our own. This is not something I've been good enough to get. It is all because of God's mercy. We have this ministry we do not lose heart. Why would you lose heart? Because it's not hard, or because it's not easy to be a follower of Jesus. There are things in our life that make it difficult, that get us to a place where we just want to lose heart. There's obstacles in our lives and all that that cause us to, to lose heart at times. Being a part of a church and a ministry, you can lose heart if you, if you have not experienced the spirit like this. If we don't know the ministry like this, it's easy to lose heart because life is difficult. And church can be difficult. We get discouraged as a Christian. But here's what Paul's trying to tell the folks in Corinth and you and I. That God has worked and is working this ministry in us. That the Spirit is making these changes in us. So that we truly do experience righteousness and freedom and change. And that is an incredible thing to know. That the Spirit of God is at work in you and I. But the other thing is this. That through his ministry or his mercy, he has given us this ministry so that we can pass it on to others. So that those who are, whose hearts have been veiled can know the righteousness and freedom and transformation of the Spirit. That this is not something we're just supposed to hold on to ourselves. But this is something that we are to share because this is the greatest gift. A little bit farther down in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul will say that what you and I have is like a treasure. And it's a treasure to be shared with others. It's what it's all about. So yes, life is difficult. Church work is difficult. But Paul says, do not lose heart because this is what you have. This is what you've experienced, and this is what you can give away. So my message to my church in July and August will be this, that church is ultimately about ministry 
in your own life and in the lives of others. That it can't be just gathering together and oh boy, what we had a nice time together and wasn't that singing was great and all that. But it is about what the Spirit of God wants to do in me and in you, but also all along this 210 corridor. Because what we have to give, this ministry of the Spirit truly is a treasure. And we cannot give up. We cannot lose heart. We need to persevere. So I'm going to end with a story of a guy who I believe is one of your patron saints, Terry Franson. (laughs) So Terry and I are very good friends. Um, He was the chairman of my Young Life Committee, which is a group of adults that helps raise money and give direction and all that. And So Terry was the chairman of my Young Life Committee, and I know he's been a part of this church and at APU and all that. So uh, Terry was an incredible friend of mine. So the other thing Terry did, though, is he um, helped me learn how to mountain bike. Um, There's some guys from our church that were starting to do mountain biking and all that stuff, and they were doing the Claremont Loop. And it just sounded overwhelming to me when they started doing it. He said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take you up there. I'll, I'll teach you how to do this. I go, okay. So we, uh, we met right there at Town and Baseline, went up the Thompson Creek Trail. The first thing he said, there's a bunch of messages here, but I'll just... So the first thing he said is, Make sure you're in a gear where you're not wasting much energy on the Thompson Creek Trail because you're going to need all of it when you get up to the loop. Okay, great. That's good. And then we start going up the loop. So you're going to have to put it in the lowest gear you have because it's really steep. I'm like, okay. And then the other thing he said to me is, don't worry if people pass you or anything like that. Even if people are walking and they pass you. <laughs> don't, don't worry, okay? It's not a competition. We just want to finish. I'm like, Okay. But one time we're doing the loop together. And I've got it going down and I'm in my lowest gear and all that. Well, something happens to Terry's bike. And it won't gear down into the lowest gear. It only gets to about gear three or four. And so I'm like, well, we can turn around and go back. He goes, no, I can make it. And sure enough, as we're going, and you're going back and forth like this, and I'm behind him, and I'm just watching him push as hard as he can, and those huge calf muscles that Terry had, you remember those? Just giving everything he's got. And sure enough, he makes it to the top, we come down the other side, and we make it. And in the sports world, which Terry's a part of, it's called the competitive spirit, but in the church world, that's perseverance perseverance so let's be people that persevere let's be people that do not lose heart even when it's difficult we've worked through a lot of stuff on this merger there probably are some other things we'll keep working through but let's not give up because we have been given through God's mercy this incredible ministry of the Spirit. A ministry that will change you and I, a ministry that will bring us freedom, a ministry that will experience righteousness with God. But more than what it'll do for us is what the communities out there need. That's who we can become. So don't lose heart, persevere, and experience God's spirit in your 
life. Let me pray for us. So, Lord, uh, I thank you for your word. Thank you for someone like Paul who would, um, who would remind us of just what we have, would remind us of this treasure that has been given to us, this, this ministry of the Spirit. And, and I pray, Lord, even now, we'd be so in tune with your spirit that we would know how you're working in us. We would know how you're bringing righteousness into our lives. We would know those places where, Lord, you were desiring to bring freedom. And I pray, Lord, that we would know those places where you are changing us. Those places where you want to make us to look a little bit more like Jesus. So, Lord, do your good work in us. Help us not to grow weary and remind us often, Lord, of what you have given us so that we can give it away. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.